Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. And we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas. And we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing that's... All right, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Yavari Gold, and I am here as usual, joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, we didn't get quiet. He <laughs> totally played us like a fiddle. Like yeah. Like a fiddle. I was, I was worried you'd be a little bit suicidal. I was pretty upset. I'm not going to lie about it. Uh, I was pretty upset. I, I thought, I felt... So here's what really frustrated me, was there's this guy named RDA Ambition. I don't know if you're familiar with who he is yet. But he was giving us stuff on the Lakers subreddit months ago. He predicted, he literally told us exactly what the Anthony Davis trade was two months ago. Everybody kept saying Kyle Kuzma was a part of it. He said, no, Brandon Ingram is a part of it. Kyle Kuzma is not. He's a part of the future. He predicted that Al Horford, or he told us that Al Horford was going to the 76ers as soon as he was released. Um, he did a couple other predictions, and then he started to say that he was going to keep us updated on Kawhi. He put a, a tweet out and said, uh, per conference call today, Kawhi Leonard will be a Los Angeles Lakers within the coming days. They are just ironing out the details of the contract. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, and, I know who that guy is now. And, now that you tell that got, story, I, I remember that, yeah. He earned so much credibility mm-hmm. with the Lakers subreddit up to that point that everybody just assumed that his word was gold. And uh, he, you know, he, he did something with the mods that verified who he was. And supposedly he's like Genie Bus's like cousin or something like that. I don't know. So I had it in my mind he was coming no matter what I was hearing. And I just never expected the Clippers to get him. Because the Clippers, uh, people are like, oh, they're the second, they're the stepbrother to the Lakers. No, they're not even a stepbrother. They're like the 10th most valuable sports franchise in L.A. UCLA, uh, USC, uh, the Kings, Angels, Dodgers, uh, all of those teams rank higher than the Clippers. The Lakers are number one. And so I was just like, there's no reason for him to go there. And unfortunately, not only did he go there, but he somehow maneuvered a guy away from being one year into a four-year contract moving from the Freaking Oklahoma City Thunder to the Clippers with Paul George. So now that team is truly stacked with Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, that center that they have. Uh, it's just awful. And, and and I don't feel good about our bench. Yeah, you shouldn't. A lot of people do. A lot of people do feel good about the bench. The, A lot of high upside guys. No, the Clippers uh, – they're going to be fun to watch. Pat Bev is always going to have a, a special place in my heart, of course. Yeah, me too. I love Pat Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you just – I got a little little fiddle for you. I don't re- – you've won more championships. I, yeah, I don't I don't care. You, know? yeah. you still have LeBron. 
You still have yeah, Anthony Davis. It it's gonna be just fine. At least the yeah. West will be at least entertaining. If Kawhi went to the Lakers, fun. that that would have been bullshit. I that would have been I would I've been madder at the Lakers than I was at Golden State. See, but I wanted that. I wanted that madness, that hatred. Because we garnered that hatred without having three superstars. Like, we've always been hated, right? We were the Lakers. Everybody hates the Lakers. It's just the way it is, right? But the last seven years, nobody's hated see, us. Nobody's had to hate us. This this whole Lakers thing, I think it tints your appreciation for the suffering of Houston. Okay. I'm so, listening. I think, I don't know, a lot of the, when you're calling me negative and things like that, like, you've had things break your way. Now you get a little bit of peace of what it's like that not have things break your way. To have all these rumors and everything hype things up, and it's like, oh, this is going to happen for us. It's finally going to happen for us. And then it doesn't. And, it, you know, it's happened, yeah, for y'all. Happened it's happened for y'all most of the time. Yeah, I know it has. But the last seven years have been awful. And, like, that, Wait, this seven, has happened a lot to us lately, though. Seven yeah. years have been awful. Yeah, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying Seven years of awfulness. And you draft all these guys, and Paul George was supposed to come here a year ago. He didn't come. We were supposed to get, you know, everybody else the past three years. They didn't come. We were supposed to get CP3 seven years ago. That didn't happen. So, you know, I just. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Little, like, little to no sympathy on you on this, dude. Okay. All right. You got, you got to be the original super team. I mean. We weren't. That was the Celtics. Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. They had four All-Stars. Yeah, but you had Shaq and Kobe. That's it. You had a half dozen other players. Like, the quality of bench players and second-level players and Kobe and Shaq. Sure. And Kobe should have been a Charlotte Hornet. You traded well, he wasn't. Vladi Dizak for Kobe Bryant. No, yeah, Vladi Dizak... Vladi, fine player. Nothing wrong with him as a player. Maybe the best 30 for 30 ever. I, I haven't even that. watched it, but... It's so good. To make that trade for Kobe Bryant, if I was the Hornets, I would have told him, go go play for Duke. Fuck this. Like, you know, the <laughs> Lakers should have given up more for, for him than they did. Well, how about Pau Gasol, too? Like, we gave up nothing for Pau Gasol. But that was all Jerry West. We don't have Jerry yeah. West anymore. That was all Mitch Kupchak and 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 the late great uh, Jerry Buss. So, all right, enough. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me whine or whatever. Yeah, no kidding. It'll be a fun NBA. It'll be a fun NBA season though. Well, now I get to now I get to whine a little bit. I feel a little jilted. What? You know, you haven't been around, and now you're you're getting this blue chew. Like I feel like you're you're having like the the three year itch over there. It's a, it's you know, a midlife crisis. I mean, I you're mean, out I there chasing these younger, hotter podcast hosts, I guess. The, uh, the, the, another oh, drag. Stop. And the guy over the stop. <laughs> stop it. Look, Blue Chew's got me feeling. Uh, it's got you feeling Randy right now, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Blue Chew is why I'm able to do what I'm able to do today. And it's why I now can say I'll likely be married for 15 years <laughs> instead of just 14. So thank you, BlueChew.com. Oh. Um, that's great. Uh, all right. 
let's uh, let's hop into some Texans. So today we're going to do our position reviews. We're going to talk in about the offensive line until I pulled up the active roster or not the active roster, but the active players on the team right now. I had no idea how many tackles we actually have. We have like three guards. So we'll get into that. <laughs> we like, yeah, yeah, I know, which is, I don't know, whatever. Maybe Max Sharping is a guard, but uh, we'll get into that. But let's get into some of the more recent news. Uh, I don't know his name. One of our shitty reporters reported somehow, either that or he put two and two together and decided that in four days the deal wasn't <laughs> going to get done. If I had to go with the latter, I probably would go with the latter. Uh, but whatever. Um, Jadavion Clowney will not be signing a long-term extension with the Houston Texans by the deadline Monday at 2 p.m. Uh, he will be playing under the franchise tag. He will not be missing any game, but he will be reporting the training camp uh, farther into training camp than anybody would like. Um, <clears throat> again, I don't think he spoke with Clowney or Bus Cook. I think he just put two and two together and was able to come up with the same assumption that we all can, that that will always equal four. And he is likely right. Now, hopefully that's not true as we have five days and maybe something happens, but the chances are very slim right now. And I don't believe that that'll be the case. And it's funny, John, there was a tweet earlier about um, how letting Glover Quinn go will always be looked at as the biggest mistake the Texans have made when it came to keeping a player um, on this team. And I agree. But then I also said until next year, because if it's not down to health on why they didn't sign him long term, can we agree on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, you know, that was exaggerated for the for y'all's reviews, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're going to tell you, don't worry. No. I can't wait to chime in on ghost-johnstutterpause.com. Yeah. There we go. That'll be our new ad. Game show we were talking about, yeah, just have John read out, you know, everybody's names. If you turn the microphones off, I can't. <laughs> Never have an issue. Appreciate it. Once we turn this shit on, and I think it's the camera, all of a sudden I forget how to even say my own damn name. Um, yeah, Glover. Damn it. <laughs> Now, because I want to call him Grover. <laughs> Rover, Red Rover. Rover. Um, Glover Quinn right now probably would be the biggest mistake. For the most part, as much as we, we've we complained about the Texans not keeping their guys, for the most part, they've been, they've been fairly right. There's not been a lot of players out there that have left the team and absolutely burned us. Um, maybe Barwin, maybe Connor yeah. Barwin, maybe. Um, I would say, I would say Glover. Maybe. Not, not Maybe Mario really. Williams. Um, yeah. He was a good player. He's fine, but I never felt like we were absolutely burned on what he ended up making. As for Glover Quinn, sure. especially because of the weakness we had in the secondary and the weakness we had at safety, you pull him back on to the team for a couple more years, especially because we gave him up and signed, signed Ed Reed. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, now, if we let Clowney walk, would, would A.J. Bouye, would A.J. Bouye maybe, maybe. trump uh, and Depending on how the next two – right now it I'll feels right like now. it is. It, it felt like <laughs> – I mean, he had – he had, this, past, this past year he I had – I mean, honestly, year. right now? The first year when he left, yeah, definitely. This past year, though, him having an off year, maybe. Um, Glover Quinn was able to consistently stay 
solid for several years when we could we would we yeah. would have killed for a solid safety and he stayed solid. Now I can say without a doubt if they let Clowney walk, that will easily become the biggest mistake in franchise history. I agree. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's right there neck and neck with Brock. No, actually, I'll rephrase that. If I was trying to sign Peyton Manning, that if, as soon as that gets legitimized, if somebody writes a book and actually proves it that, that Peyton wanted to come to Houston, that will be it. But Clowney will be up there. Clowney's going to end up being yeah. one of those players that he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, but he's going to be borderline. He's going to be one of those guys that we have an argument about. Um, 10, 15 years from now, there's going to be arguments about him not having accounting stats, no matter where he goes. However, the instance that he, the instance that he leaves the Texans, our defense is going to take a step back. There's no way to fill that void when he leaves. Yeah, I think so. Brian Baldinger, I don't know if you saw his tweet, but he tweeted out some clips of Clowney from last year. One of the parts that he, one of the clips that he tweeted out, and it was funny that he actually showed this because I didn't expect him to, but was. He goes, hey, look over here. You see how J.J. is one-on-one with the tackle and is able to get to the quarterback? Yeah, it's because this guy right here is taking on three, a two tackles or a tackle and two guards in the center or whatever. He, however he phrased it, a tackle, a guard, a center, a tight end, a guard, tackle, whatever it would be. He's like, these over here don't happen if he's not on the team. And I think that's the part that people don't tend to realize. Like, you take J.D. off this team, if you're thinking that Watt is going to just 20-sack season Watt, this defensive line is nowhere near as good as what that defensive line was prior to when J.J. was doing what J.J. was doing. We had great defensive linemen. They weren't Pro Bowls, Pro Bowl players, but they were very, very good depth on the defensive line. We don't have that now. We have developmental players that are turning into possible players. Like We like a lot of them. Um, but at the end, we'll get into the defensive line, I think, next week. But Clowney frees up J.J. to do what he does. <clears throat> Once J.D.'s gone, the spotlight is solely on J.J. Watt. And this is to take nothing away from J.J. Watt. He's one of the best defensive players of all time, arguably the best. However, he does need a supporting cast for what he does. He is very aggressive. And, you know, he hits pay dirt a lot, but he is very aggressive. And he puts other players in a position where they have to kind of they have to hold contain. They have to set the edge. The, when J.J., especially when he was coming back from injury and he was rusty on guessing, there was a lot of plays broken off because of the area that J.J. left vacated. Now, him and Clowney actually play very well together. It's a very, very good match. And we'll talk more about it in defensive line um, when we do that episode, which is probably coming up in the next week or two. However, it's one of those things that Clowney going somewhere else, he may end up having better stats, but he won't have the same impact he has on the game. And I would argue that paying Clowney allows us not to have to pay as much money on our defensive line overall. You pay Clowney, you play Watt. Yes, there's a lot of risk to that because if one of them gets hurt, it does significantly impact the D-line. However, it allows us to keep a lot of these developmental players. We didn't have to go out and sign a bunch of mid-level players or we instead have both Clowney and Watt, and they have the ability to not only elevate each other, but elevate the rest of that line. And Clowney does the dirty work to do it. Watt gets most of the stats, 
and as he should because that plays to his strengths. And he's very good at sealing the deal. Um, but Clowney on another team would probably get a lot more sacks. However, the defense is better with those two in the roles that they are doing. Yeah, I just think I, I'm thinking more and more about it, and it's yeah, it's going to be awful. It's going to be a really hard thing to to grasp. Um, I it's funny how in a year and a half, like my opinion has changed so drastically. But when you watch the film, that's just kind of how it, like it, it just the film doesn't lie. It's, there's really nothing to it. I mean, it's really that simple. I, I hate to like make it that basic. But it's true, the film really doesn't lie. And when you're seeing these people that break down film on a regular basis, and Clowney is the highlight of all of these film breakdowns, um, that should tell you something. And he's constantly playing out of position. So that's another part that people tend to miss. For everybody that brings up the sacks, where is his sacks? He needs to have his 20 sacks, his 17 sacks. Yeah, okay, you, you tell a middle linebacker to get 20 sacks in a season. You tell an outside linebacker to get 20 sacks in a season. How about you tell a defensive tackle to get 20 sacks in a season? No, how about just a defensive end? Guess what? Those four positions don't tend to get 20 sacks in a season. And that's what Clowney does for you. He plays all four of those positions. And you're expecting this guy to produce sacks, and it, it's just not going to happen. So it's 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 very interesting to know that we are in a spot where potentially we're going to see him for one more year and then he's gone. <clears throat> I don't know what he can do, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you, John. Is there anything that Clowney can do this season that will show the Texans that he needs to be signed this next offseason? I mean, he just continues to play at the same level he has and maybe break double-digit sacks. And at that point, I think that the outcry for letting him walk would be too high. Uh, they, you know, the way they have him tagged, they will prop or designated. They'll probably tag him again next year. If um, there was a a report that just came out from Pro Football Talk that part of the reason that Brian Gain and is no longer around is him and Bill O'Brien disagreed with how to handle the clowny situation. Um, according to this, because everything mm-hmm. that Bill O'Brien does is evil, they've put Clowney in a situation with how he has been tagged as a, a linebacker that it's essentially he's going to pay – they're going to pay him less. And then next year it increases by 20% to $19, to 19 million per year, which is still fairly affordable. So that's two years that he's guaranteed to stay on the Texans that they don't have to pay him at market rate because of the way that he was tagged. And that's how Bill O'Brien has chosen to handle it. I mean, from a businessman perspective, it's like it makes complete sense. Um, from a business perspective, like know? just if all you're doing is counting pennies, it makes sense. Now, from a relationship standpoint and from, you know, how you want to be looked upon throughout the league, that's cold. That is really cold. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to win to be that cold. Well, then, no. Belichick can get away with being that cold. But he wins. He wins. That's the. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was I, gonna say that's the the hardest part about replicating what I'm Belichick thinking, does 
is how do you get to be that cold and keep the cred to still be a player's coach where other players will take the low market deal so you can fill out your roster and then, you know, treat your, your players that coldly? Like, how do you get to that point? That's the secret that Belichick somehow did is he can treat – he can do that sort of things, and players still want to go play for him because they know he'll win. And part of that is just kind of lucking into a QB. Could you imagine if same situation with Belichick, except they don't win those first couple, that first Super Bowl? I think that that wouldn't work out. Part of the NFL is you have to convince players to take below market money and want to come to you. Now, when they don't want to do that, finding that veteran leadership can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, like, from a business standpoint, which I understand, like, you're going to save money if you only want to have them around for two years. Like, sure, the, like, franchising choice makes sense. But at the same time, like, if they're saying, hey, you need to show us something before we sign you long-term, and if he shows them something, I'd like to see what those contracts are going to look like next year because it's not just Clowney anymore. It's Will Fuller. It's DJ Reader. It's Nick Martin. Oh, and then guess what? Your franchise quarterback is going into his fifth year. Guess who gets locked up in their fifth year before they actually take their fifth-year option? Really good quarterbacks. So you're talking about four, five now with Clowney players that are going to need to be extended going into next year. If you take that $40 million you have now and make most of what he's going to get paid up front, you put yourself in a better cap situation than what you'll be in well, next year. The Eagles pulled it off of Wentz. That's kind of the high risk you want to take. Lock them up earlier than you need to. Lock them up longer. And if they continue to be the player you expect them to be, then you it's win. a bargain deal. If they right. – the risk is they get hurt. But this is the NFL, too, where nothing is guaranteed. Now, right. the mistake that the Texans made with Connie is they waited. I promise yeah. you they will – next – I will not be surprised if next summer we have Deshaun Watson locked up. Oh, he'll be locked up. It will not – I would actually place money that it happens. They're, they'll probably I, I they'll, would too. whomever they bring in will probably try and do the exact same thing that the Eagles just did with Wentz, and that's smart. That's what you should do. Then you just pray for help. We should have done it with Clowney, and now we haven't, and now we're kind of in we're kind of in a mess. I think they're going to make him play this year and next year under the franchise tag, and then we're going to hope and pray that he doesn't get hurt, and they sign him for a long term, and. I think this year he'll play. Next year, it wouldn't surprise me if he just sits out. Yeah, if he's tagged again next year, I don't expect Especially being tagged at a lower rate. Yeah, that's that's something. And he'll be 27. This will be his last chance to really grab a bag. <clears throat> so, all right. Well, we'll see. We'll continue to monitor. Hopefully, within the next five days, we see a change in the uh, – what we're hearing out of NRG. All right, let's get into this offensive line group. Last year, the offensive line was a mess. Really no other way to say it. Below average, uh, below, below average. Worst offensive line in the league. Uh, tackle positions were not good. Guards were okay. Fulton was really good. <clears throat> Nick Martin was inconsistent. I don't want to say Nick Martin was bad, and, and we're going to start with the center because there's only one on the roster. I would uh, I would argue two, that, I'm, yeah. I'm I would argue, well, Nick Martin 
is the only one really listed as center, and I would argue that it's not Greg Mance is the well, other one. Well, there's this other – there's this other guy. It's uh, uh, DJ Yeah, but he doesn't count. No. He doesn't count. Right, that's why I said we'll skip. We'll, um, skip. we'll, we'll totally skip him. But Greg Mance can he, – he, I guess we'll get into Greg Mance now since he's not literally a position because Greg Mance is the Swiss Army knife, and he has that very appealing word called versatility. Yeah. Versatility. And you need that to be competitive in this league. And we've seen it the last two years. When you have a versatile line, you end up being the 32-ranked offensive line in the league. <laughs> we should continue to strive to do that. Um, so, yeah, let's start with Greg Mance because I think that's a really good starting point. So, Greg Mance, he can play guard. He can play center. In the pitch, if you have to have him play tackle, he probably can do that too. Um, Greg Mance is, you know, when – Nick Martin got hurt his first year. Greg Mance started the rest of the season, was above average at the center position. He was then the next year he was he excellent came. as a pass protector. Struggled right. he, and he was just average. Well, he struggled at run blocking. He's a little bit undersized um, at three hundred two, which is crazy because mm-hmm. he's got a good five to ten pounds on on Nick Martin. Nick Martin. They've only got him listed at 295, which probably means that he actually plays closer to 285, 290. As you know that he tries to put on that weight for that weigh-in to get that official weight close to 300. They all do. It's um, If you've ever read NFL um, Confidential, it follows the life of a center that there's a couple of guesses on who he is, but he kind of talks about how he only weighed 290 pounds at his heaviest. And even though he was a technically sound center, he always played very well when he actually got onto the field. That was the big, the big chip, or I guess the uh, big, what 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 am I trying to say here? That was that sure. was the big detriment to him. Every contract negotiation, every meeting, everything that they always talked to. Hey man, you got to put on weight. He was constantly drilled. You got to put on weight. You got to put on weight. You got to put on weight. He would talk about how he would walk in front of the the coaches, and they would make sure to show him how many whole grain pancakes he was eating and how much whole milk he was drinking so they could Mm. see that he was trying to put on weight. And his big thing was they were like, you have to get to 300. So it jumps out to me that Nick Martin, during weigh-in, when they get the official media guide weights, still isn't at 300. Yeah. But with Greg Mance, um, you know, he's the guy – if, if versatility fit any – if it fit anybody on this roster, on the offensive line, Greg Mance would probably be the only one that we really wanted to fit because you do need that guy on your offensive line. You need a guy that can play center and you need a guy that can play guard in a pinch for if, it, you know, if anybody gets hurt on, on the interior of the offensive line, he can go in and play and be serviceable. And there are times where Greg Mance is better than serviceable. So, uh, Greg Nance likely won't be our starter, uh, but he's definitely a depth piece that we need to keep. And Greg Nance will, unless there's just like some guard that just comes in and just blows everybody away, but the chances of that are pretty slim. I expect Greg Nance to make this team just because of what he's done for this team so far in, in his time here. All right, let's get into Nick Martin. So, Nick Martin, going on his fourth year, uh, 6'4", 295. Obviously, he's out of Notre Dame. Uh, he started all 16 games last year. 
which is a big, 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 big thing for him, considering the previous two years he missed a ton of time. Um, well, I guess technically he only missed two games in 2017, and then he missed pretty much all of 2016. Um, the issue with Nick Martin last year <clears throat> for me, and then I'll let you chime in on kind of what your thoughts are, was more of the inconsistency aspect of what Nick Martin was. His play was never consistent throughout a game. Uh, there would be plays where he would maul and just take on blockers and do his job. And then there were there were times where it looked like he just wasn't engaged. Now, I'm hearing a lot of the arguments of, like, I got a lot of pushback for saying that he was, uh, he was average or below average last year. Um, but they say, you know, the offensive line as a whole was, maybe that's why. And I can understand that side of the argument. Um, when the offensive line isn't performing well, it's going to be very hard for one guy to look good on the offensive line. But Zach Fulton seemed to do it. So I guess that's where I don't see that that argument should play too big of a part. Well, uh, But he is also the communicator. He's the guy that lines everybody up. He's the one that is in charge of the offensive line. So I understand. But um, this is the year, especially being a contract year, that Nick Martin has to be consistent throughout the entire season and needs to be I, I, a top 10 center in the league. Well, he just has like to be a top year. 15. So top 10. average or better. So top 15 mm-hmm. is average or better. Sure. Now, Nick Martin's one of the guys that will make you believe in height and weight for offensive linemen. When he is playing a scheme that he is comfortable, which is strangely enough, it's man. And it's early in the season. There's times where he looks like he is a world beater. This is going to be our center for the next 10, 15 years. Towards the end of the year, he's either gotten hurt every year or or his play diminished greatly this year. And you would think because he's a little bit on the smaller side for a center that he would be more athletic, but he doesn't have the athleticism to, to zone block. He struggles with it. Now, he's obviously extremely athletic. He's got to be probably one of the strongest people on this planet. Like I, That's not an exaggeration. All the guys in the NFL really are, and he's another level of strong strength to be able to play at the size that he does as well as he does for stretches at a time. So I would say he's an extremely strong offensive lineman, but he just wears down. And part of being light is once you when you get tired and you lose your strength, bigger defensive linemen push you around. And not being athletic enough to zone block, you can't essentially move out of their way and redirect them. So that's Nick Martin's failing. He's one of those guys that we keep hoping that a couple of years in the NFL was going to tough him, toughen him up. And then as he got used to the grind, he'd just be a better player. Because there was flashes last year where he was our best offensive lineman. Far away, he was our best offensive lineman at time. He could, op- he could hold a pass block. He could open up holes in the running game. But he struggles at zone. And he just he still doesn't have the endurance. He doesn't have the stamina. Yeah, this is a make or break year for Nick Martin in my mind. But I still think that he'll be signed no matter how he performs on the field because we're not going to have another center to play. So he's in a he's in a very good position for himself. He can either go out and truly perform and get better and show that he's the future center of this team and is going to be here for the next ten years, or he could be average, like you you said, be average, which is good enough, and sign a long-term deal. I would not actually be surprised if he ends up being our backup center, backup guard, and Mance leaves. And guess who would be my surprise center? J.J. Watt. No. <laughs> Martinez Rankin. 
Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of talking about Go, that. It's all going to be yeah. dependent on. It's all going to be dependent on if he plays guard this year and how he does. Right, and that's why I'm going to bring up Rankin now as kind of our third center. Um, if you read Lance Zierlein's scouting report on him, and Lance, every time I have doubted Lance wrong, the players end up proving him right. There's a long list, starting with Deshaun Watson, and Carson Wentz and going down, Jeff Goff. Like, I used to really, when we needed a quarterback, I, I yeah, I, I would, I would study Zierlein's, Zierlein's, Damn it, y'all. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> you, need to get a, you need to get like yeah. a sound bar board for like when you do that so that way we can you know. have every time. It's a good thing I don't get paid for this shit. So, so over, under, <laughs> over under was 10 to 1. 10 to 1. There we go. But going back with Lance Airlines, scattering report on Martinez Rankin, and he has been right more often than he is not. He has said that the more that you move him to the middle, the longer of a career that Rankin's going to have and the better of a career that he's going to have. We started him out at tackle. We saw how that went. We moved him to guard, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, hold up. This guy can play. So I actually – I don't know if the coaching staff reads any of Lance's articles, but they should, and they should let him play center. And I will, when we're done, I can kind of tell you like my dream offensive line just based on sizes. Because if you put Rankin at center, we can – trot out just a beast of an offensive line in size. It would be one of the heaviest, one of the largest in the league. That doesn't necessarily translate into into wins, but it could. It usually translates into a good rushing game. Usually when you have – if you have an offensive line where every single member of the offensive line is above 300 pounds, it's – oh, shoot. I can't remember the exact number now, but you do have a higher success rate on running plays and on goal line plays. Hmm. Usually your pass blocking suffers, but if you can get an athletic heavy line, those are when you get really good lines. So with Martinez Rankin, just real quick, he was uh, what was he, he was our third round pick last year. Uh, this right. will be his second year. Uh, he's six five three eleven, and yes, uh, Lance's scouting report was pretty much this exact word for word. The closer he gets on the interior of the offensive line, the better he will be. Um, and we saw that at guard. I'm hoping you're wrong because ideally I would like for Martin to be above average at center and Rankins be above average at left guard to where we can move Fulton to the right and have that interior sewed up to where all we need to figure out is the tackle situation. Um, But yes, in a dream scenario, I could see why Rankins would be the ideal center given his size and what he's capable of doing. Yeah, in a dream scenario, Nick Martin's a pro bowler. I mean – that's what I always hope and pray. That's what I hope and pray for every single one of them. Yeah. Um, but it's just looking at the information we have and what's realistic. It, again, I, if you, y'all don't listen to Texans Unfiltered very often, I will put it straight out there. I am absolutely a homer. Try, we try to be realistic about it. There is not a single player on this team that I wish ill will. It's the exact opposite. I always hope that whenever we talk down about a player, they come out and prove us wrong. You know, just unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah. All right, let's keep it with the guards. So let's go to Zach Fulton. So, look, uh, he is six years in the league, came from Kansas City last year in free agency. He also has experience at center, by the way. Uh, 6'5", 321. He's a big boy. Uh, He played 13 games for us last year. 
Uh, I think you can make an argument that he was our best offensive lineman when he was playing last year, uh, consistently at least. Maybe not the highest upside, but maybe the most consistent um, offensive lineman we had. And he wasn't Jeff Allen, who we signed from the Chiefs the year prior to that. And Zach Fulton looks like he's a player, and he's still young enough to be able to build around. Um, I like what Fulton did last year. I think that he, I think we found ourselves a guard. Yeah, I agree now, with that. I, I think we found ourselves a guard, but we'll get into kind of what we're, what we think potentially it, the offensive line could look like uh, at the, you know, at the beginning of the season. But I, I like what Fulton did. He was good in the run game. He's, he's definitely like, when you say Mahler, I think Zach Fulton, at least when it comes to our offensive line, uh, not the best pass-blocking guard, but above average. But he was much better in the run game than what we expected. Yeah. I, I'm fine with Fulton playing right guard for us. No, I, I agree completely. Fulton, we saw what he was. When he was healthy, he was easily a, he was easily a foundational play piece of that offensive line. Somebody that should be around for – for several more years to come, he has what he does have versatility. He can play center if he needs to. I think a couple of years back he was Pro Football Focus's second highest graded or highest graded center. So he does have that in his, in his background, and it's another player that, hey, maybe he moves to center and Rankin stays at guard. Yeah. Who knows? There's a lot of combinations with this offensive line to put out there, and he's one of those guys that can be a movable piece and. Last year, he was one of the good ones. Yeah, I mean, that's just the truth. He was just one of our good ones. Yes, he didn't hold up as well at pass blocking, especially towards the end of the year. However, that's not necessarily entirely on him, especially on the right side of that line. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So we like Zach. Let's get to the other guards, Senio Calamente. Look, I think – I mean, he, he missed a ton of time last year. I think he played in all the games. But he, yeah, no, he missed one game. But he started 14 of them. But he missed a lot a lot of snaps in those games. He was coming in and out of the lineup. But when he was in there, he was good. Uh, he was a serviceable guard. He wasn't as good as Zach Fulton. But he was a he was still a guard that if you, if, if, if the 2019 season kicked off tomorrow and you told me that, it was Zach Fulton, Nick Martin, and Senio Calamente in the interior of the line, I probably wouldn't be too upset because I think we all know that the issues from the line didn't stem from the interior. It was more of the outside. I wouldn't be thrilled because he's going to miss time and he's not going to stay healthy for a full 16 games. Excuse me, Miss Calamente. I know you destroy fans. Um, But, I mean – a cheap guard that we signed from New Orleans. I mean, he played his part last year. Um, he was better than anything we had the year prior at cards. Yeah, Kelamente, he's he shouldn't he's be a shouldn't be a too. starter. He's the he should be a should, yeah. When he's your your Swiss Army knife backup, and he he can play any position well for a short period of time. Again, he's another guy that's a little bit undersized. He's another guy that kind of wears out. He's another guy that he's not 
athletic enough to rely on that and to be a consistent zone blocker. Same problems that Nick Martin has, Calmente has. Now, with him, when he played with the Saints as a backup, they would always talk about when one of their offensive linemen got hurt, he would come in, hold down the fort for a couple of games, then switch out. And they loved him for that. That's the role that he really should have here. Again, same problem. Beginning of the year, him, Fulton, and Martin, they were all healthy. They all had um, rest from the offseason, I guess. They hadn't. They weren't running on E. And our offensive line actually did not look bad, and especially up the middle. Now, it didn't look phenomenal. It didn't look great. But it did look like it was going to be an average offensive line until, you know, we get to our tackles. Yeah, which is where we're going now because I don't want to spend too much – I don't want to spend time on the two undrafted guards um, because I don't think that there's much of a battle at the guard position. Um, This line isn't going to be a make or break based on the guards that are playing at guard. It's just not the way this team is – it's just not the way it worked out out last year. It's going to be all about the tackles. Everything will be – And let's be honest, two of our tackles are going to end up playing guard. Potentially. Potentially. I would agree. I mean, Rankins is yeah, playing. Yeah, so that's one of them, and then Sharping will probably be the other one. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I, I We'll get into Sharping. The more and more I read about him and watch some of what he did in college I, and see what Pro Football Focus puts on him and, and Lance says, I, I think there's a good chance that he ends up playing for us at tackle. But we'll see. So let's start with the – the person that had the biggest headache for all of us last year in Julian Davenport. Oh, man. <laughs> Look, three years, 6'7", 325. Yes, he was out of Bucknell. He played in all 16 games last year. Yes, he was the guy that was constantly moved around <laughs> when people got hurt, and that's what started off the season uh, with a lot of the issues in my mind, I think a lot of what happened last year started with the first game against the Patriots when Central Henderson went down. Right. I think you can point to one area and say this is where the offensive line went downhill. We lost Central. I think they had a good understanding that, hey, this is what our line will look like. And they may have been right. Central looked good against the Patriots before he went down. And they all looked uh, fine during the preseason. We saw some very bad offensive line play during the – preseason and we strangely didn't think that was us yeah so uh he comes in he's moved to right never played right in this entire life we all know the false start stories we all know about everything that he did he got blown up he was not very good at right three games later they decide that oh my god maybe we should just play him on the left huh (laughs) interesting um and he he was better, but he was not great. Um, he definitely got exposed quite a bit. Um, look, I don't know if Julian Davenport can be our starting tackle. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable if we had to start him at tackle. But at the end of the day, I'm also partially thinking to myself, man, year four, this could be – this could really be a good – or year three, sorry. This is year three. Um, this could really be a year where he takes that next step. 
Right. And what you never want to give up on is development of players. You can never have too many tackles. And if he can take the next step, that'd be phenomenal. If you could pop him in at left guard and Titus or Max at right or Central at right or wh- however you want to do it, um, that would be ideal. But I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to win that spot. Well, here's the thing about Davenport. He profiles much better as a right tackle. I think that when they originally drafted him and we were thinking Dwayne Brown would be around for you know a couple more years, I think that was the original plan for him. And then they went from right tackle to left tackle because he's always played left tackle. Now, the thing that concerns me about him, again, profiles as a right tackle. Not the best feet, lots of length, very strong. Um, again, a better – he really is a better run blocker than a pass blocker. Not very, he's not going to be a technician. These are things that, let's be honest, it's just not going to happen for him. They were already saying that Titus Howard has better feet than him. Now, the problem was he was bad, 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 bad at right tackle, and that was all mental. Yep. He just was out of sync. Even when he wasn't false starting, he was just out of sync. The false starts were kind of a symptom of his issues at right tackle. He just wasn't in sync with the rest of the line. They talk about how offensive line is really a dance. The line has to play together. As a group, they have to play together more synchronized. They have to know where everybody's at. They have to know where the quarterback is. And Davenport on the right side of the line was lost. He could not dance with the rest of the line. Now, if you put him over on left tackle, all of a sudden he syncs up better with them. He looks better with them. Now, he does not look like he would be a player that would ever be an all-pro or even a pro bowler. But he does look like on the left side, he looked like he had the potential to be a very consistent player. There was a lot that you did see out of him that was – that was good, that was fine, that he's not going to get your team killed. Now, when you look at the players that we drafted this year, Sharping and Howard, it would seem to be that both of them have a better ceiling than him. And what concerns me about Davenport is can he play swing tackle? Can he play either right or left when needed? And can he even play right? If he practiced enough at right, would he be able to get in sync on that side of the ball? So he'd be a better player if he was there. But if all he can do is play left tackle and only play it at a, a kind of like a mediocre passable level, then yeah, he's something to be concerned about. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that uh, ideally you want him to develop, but I think with the tackles that were brought in, uh, with Central being ha- uh, healthy, I just don't know if he's going to have the opportunity to be able to start. Now, he could be your backup left tackle, uh, but that's typically not how the league works because of the way that the roster is constructed. Uh, you have to be able to play both. Um, and I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Julian was cut this year. just based on who is available to play tackle for us moving forward. Um, so ideally we'd like to see him take the next step. I don't know if he'll be able to, and I don't know if he'll have the opportunity to. I really do believe that this team is going with the nobody has a starting position on the offensive line, and I've stated it before. I've been stating it for the last three months, and that's the approach they should take is that nobody has a, a starting position on this team at all. 
or at least on the offensive line. Uh, Nick Martin, not guaranteed to start at center. Zach Fulton, Senio Calamente, none of the tackles. This is a pure competition. What is the best five guys that we can put on the field that is going to protect our future franchise quarterback? Whoever that is is going to play. I can care less if you're an undrafted rookie. I can care less what school you came out of. If you can go out and play, this is going to be what our starting five looks like. And unfortunately, if that's the approach they take, I just don't see how Julian can make the team because he can't play right tackle. If we were to have a surprise cut, it would be Julian. It would be Julian Davenport. That that would be. If I went to Vegas and I put money on who the Texans surprise cut would be, I would put it as him. And this is a guy that is being projected as a starter, and I could I could see that it happens. And this isn't because I hate him. I he's one of those. I think I was one of the few guys that's actually de- defended him. But he doesn't have versatility. Versatility. Damn, it's even spreading away from names now. Versatility. Um, but without his, if he's not able to play both right and left tackle, and especially with this phobia that Bill O'Brien has shown about having players that can only play one position, yeah, Davenport, yeah. he's got to he's got to rock it out. And if he doesn't, if he he'll either be a starter or he'll be cut. He won't be a backup. That's kind of crazy, but that's kind of where he's at. Yep, and another team will take him and probably develop him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, to talk about what the line looked like last year when your best offensive tackle was Kendall Lamb, that pretty much tells you everything that you need to know about the 2018 Houston Texans offensive line. And unfortunately, yes, Kendall Lamb was your best tackle. Uh, all right, Central Henderson. Uh, six years experience. This is he's going into his six years. He's twenty seven, six seven, three hundred and fifty one pounds. He, we all know about the off the, the off the field stuff that he had. He started all sixteen games his rookie season and was looked at as the starting uh, left tackle for the or yeah left tackle for the um, Buffalo Bills. Uh, he graded out in every area that you could. He was a standout at tackle, and then former number one recruit in college. Like this guy's got the pedigree. He's got the pedigree. Um, had some issues off the field, not necessarily like domestic. No, he had Crohn's, like Crohn's disease and tried Crohn's to self-medicate with marijuana. Which you know is what it is. Um, he played ten games that following season. Supposedly, all of that is behind him. Uh, going into the season, he was projected to be the starting left tackle. He looked good in right the first tackle. half against the Patriots. Or, sorry, right tackle. Looked good against the Patriots. We thought maybe this was going to be it. He's still young enough to – and this is the part that I don't get about Central Henderson, like all the bad talk that people get, like, sent his way. Like, they act like he's 34 and we're asking him to be our future right tackle. I mean, the, the guy's 27. If he's able to put it together – you can have your starting right tackle for literally the next seven years. He but is, it's all based on if he can stay healthy. Yeah, he is an absolute beast of a he human. He is a beast. What is it, 357? He's almost yep. 360 pounds. He ran like a 4'9", which at that point. weight, he is probably the biggest individual you'll ever meet. And he could still probably outrun you. That's crazy. This guy has all the physical talent in the world. It's just been, I mean, you Crohn's, 
I mean, what what can you do? Crohn's is one of the most god-awful diseases out there. Like, you just suffer. And he smoked some weed to try and treat it. And apparently he got through it. And they had to take out part of his intestine. Like, that, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, just thinking about, like, the whole... I mean, just think about having to try and go to the bathroom and all that and try and eat the amount of calories that he has to maintain to maintain his weight. Dude, I, I give the give the kid a break, and he's only twenty seven, and what I don't there's get. absolutely no risk with him. There's none. none. If he puts it together, it's free money. We yes. got him two years for nothing, essentially. Yes, the two year contract is paying him more than his contract from last year, but not by much. It's not keeping us from doing anything, and. It's definitely not keeping us from signing Clinic. Yeah, yeah. And he's and he's definitely flashed. And he's one of those guys. He could probably just he's so big he could just go out there and sit. Yeah. And Deshaun will have more time to throw than some of what we ran out there. <laughs> yeah, and he, like you said, he's athletic, which is what you need in a tackle when it comes to having Deshaun Watson behind you. That that speed comes into play when your quarterback is scrambling around. And your tackles need to be able to keep up and always know where Deshaun is. And Central Henderson can do that. I honestly project Central Henderson to be our starting right tackle at the at the beginning of the season. I expect them to give him another chance. I think that's all based on what he did on camp, in camp last year, what he did in the first half of the Patriots game. I think that they truly believe he could be the starting right tackle for this team. I think he had bad luck, got injured last year. There was nothing you can do about it. And he's coming in, and he's going to earn that right spot. And you're going to see Central Henderson at right tackle starting – Against the New Orleans or New Orleans Patriots. Look, I pulled the John. Uh, New Orleans. It's the disease is spreading. The the New Orleans Saints on Monday night. Again, uh, a little I, bit I behind really the scenes. Think. If you ever have a conversation with me and Young Ariat, or me and James at the bar, I get the names right there. He can't say anybody's names. All of a sudden, we're on a podcast mm-hmm. and it just flips. It's bullshit. Yes. It yes. is absolute bullshit. But whatever. It is. Uh, yeah, I expect him to be our starting right tackle. No, I, I actually I don't disagree. They when they resigned him, they said that they were resigning him to be our starter. That's yep. the expectation. I him healthy, I can see him beating out Davenport. And the thing about Howard is, I I just can't see them having Howard sit for the year, sit for a year. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that feeds He's back good. into to Davenport being your surprise cut. Just yeah. backing it up with all this evidence now, man. Yep, yep. So let's get into Titus Howard. Titus Howard, rookie, obviously, first-round pick, number 23. We wanted Andre Dillard first. No, we didn't. Stop it. God, stop it. Alabama State, small school, 322, 6'5". Uh, the one tackle that had the most visits out of all of the drafted tackles in this class. There's a reason for that. He has everything that you would want in a tackle. He just happened to play at a really small school and good. He has everything you'd want except for experience. Except for experience. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with. He's he's a developmental tackle? Most likely. He is a developmental. He's a Dwayne Brown clone. Right down to the story. Looks like Dwayne. Same story. Tight end to tackle. And this guy actually started at quarterback. Quarterback tight end to tackle. Crazy athletic, not a lot of experience. He's going to be raw. But 
the reviews out of camp already. He's already got better footwork than Davenport. Yep, which is something you need. Especially on the left side. Yep. So, and um, good. And he's big. I mean, he's yeah. he's a big, big kid. He's on, The uh, official weight on him is only three pounds lighter than Davenport, and that's one of the things that we liked about Davenport is his size and his, and his wingspan. And yep. Titus Howard is right there, but he's a better athlete with better feet. Which will make all the difference in the world. Uh, so I, now that we are on Titus, I expect him to be our starting left tackle because you're right. We're not going to let him sit. Um, they know how bad you need a left tackle, and they know how bad it was last year. There's really not a lot of options for us to have another starting left tackle, and Titus Howard will be that, in my opinion. We also can't give too much of a breakdown because we haven't seen him play yet. Yeah, and so, the other thought behind that is the type of passer that Deshaun is, you need an athletic left tackle. Right. Yep, and he would have an athletic right and left tackle moving forward if it stays with Central and Titus. Uh, all right, let's get to, you know, we can talk about Roger Johnson a little bit. Um, Do we bit really funny. want to? We don't need to, and I don't know if we want to. Um, I mean, the guy, I mean, he's 6'6", 306. He's got the wingspan of a freaking giant. I just don't see him making this team. Uh, and I guess that's kind of where, like, when we're doing these position reviews, sure, I'd, I'd love to talk about all the players on the team. But what I don't want to do is hype you up on guys that just don't have a chance at making this team. Like, I, I could throw a wide receiver out there and tell you how great they look. And I've watched the videos and I've watched their college tape. But at the end of the day, when you look at the wide receiver position, it's stacked. It's stacked. That's why we did the wide receiver position first. It's pretty much the only one that you can guarantee what's going to happen. We did second. Yeah. We did uh, running backs first. For a second, yeah. Because running, running backs, back. the reason we talked about every single running back is It's Lamar Miller and a bunch of shit. <laughs> right. Now, so, hopefully some of that turns out to be good shit, but right now it's Lamar Miller and a bunch of shit. Right, and with the wide receivers, we, we know what that should look like. We know exactly what that should look like. And um, so I, what we don't want to do in these position reviews is give you guys names, tell you that we're excited about them, and build up this hype when, in all actuality, the chances of them making the team are going to be pretty slim. Now, if we're wrong and, and somebody makes the team, we'll be the first to own it. But there's just not a lot out there on the guys oh, that are undrafted. Don't worry. When they, make, when, when they make the active roster and you haven't heard of them, we'll do a hype podcast. We did one last year on Buddy Howell. We can do one. <laughs> Yes, sweet. Poor buddy. Poor buddy. Uh, all right, so we're not going to talk about Roger Johnson. Uh, we're not going to talk about Rick Leonard. We already talked about Martinez Rankin. Why don't I have Max Sharping up here? I don't know. That's who I thought we were going to talk about next. Yeah, that's who we were going to talk about. But for some reason, I either didn't see him on the roster online or I just completely overlooked him and it looks like I overlooked him. Okay. Well, Max Sharping. Sharp. Tackle. Yeah. Uh, rookie. Taken in the third round. 6'6". 327 pounds. Played at another small school in northern Illinois. Um, uh, pro fantasy have... football's number two rated pass blocker in all of college football. 
He's a huge, huge kid, uh, 327 pounds. He is yep. bigger than Davenport. Yep. And he's a freaking beast. When I say beast, I don't mean like he's your starting tackle. He's going to be there forever. I just mean he's a beast. Like He is, he and he's more polished than Howard. He doesn't correct. have the athleticism. He has more experience. He has the size. But this is a kid that from, I think they said, high school through college has only given up two sacks. Yep. Wow. So, you know, this is the uh, – there's rumors going around that this was Bill O'Brien's draft. And Sharping and Howard kind of, to me, is kind of proof that it that there's some legitimacy to this being Bill O'Brien's draft because this is a Patriots move to do. You take one guy that's high upside, better athlete, and then you take another guy that's a little bit safer, but it's redundant assets. One of them is going to work out either due to injuries, the scouts being wrong, whatever. Usually the NFL draft is a coin flip. So the Patriots, the one thing that they have done, this is a Belichick thing, this is not a Parcells thing, this is a Belichick thing, is they take redundant assets. And sometimes that pays off big, like Gronkowski and Hernandez, uh, Vereen and Ridley. Um, those are just the first ones that come to mind. But they usually do it in just about every draft. There's a position they identify as need. They take two. So either Sharping or Howard, one of them, odds are, should work out. Both of them bust. We burn down NRG. But odds are one of them will turn out to be a fairly decent left tackle. Now, the hope is that Sharping is a big, big guy. You can put him on the interior of the line, and he would be just fine, and he would probably be an upgrade. Best case is we have our left and right tackle. We have our bookends. They are together. They are here for the next 10, 15 years. Deshaun never has to worry about anything. They are legitimately his bodyguards. They are his bouncers. What was Phil O'Brien calling them the bouncers? Was that it? I'm sure there's going to be a shirt or something. I don't know. But they're his bouncers. They hit on both of them. Mediocre results is one of them turns out to be a guard. Huge guard. This is what I actually feel is most likely because, you know what, when they're that big and that athletic, they can be a guard. They don't really need technique. They're just going to go out there, just go out there and wipe out a couple of nose tackles. That's what they're going to ask them to do. Worst case scenario is both of them bust, but I just I can't see both of them busting. You look at the track record on it. One of them's going to work out. And, James, I can't hear a word you're saying. How about now? Now I can. <laughs> there we go. Um, that kind of brings me to where I wanted to end the podcast, or at least end the position group, and then we got a couple things to go over. But um, ideally, John, my offensive line in a perfect world, and I'm thinking future when I'm saying this, so – Understand that first, the premise. But Titus Howard at left at left tackle, Martinez Franken at left guard, Nick Martin at center, Max Sharping at right guard, Central Henderson at right tackle. Just because at that point you have a stable offensive line for a while, you don't have missing pieces or moving pieces that you have to worry about. I think it will take some time, so I don't think that we'll see it this year. What I think we'll see this year is Titus, Martinez, Nick, Fulton, Centro. 
Max being the swing, the swing, and Greg Mance making the team as our Swiss Army knife versatile guy, and that's our seven offensive linemen that we take. What do you ideally? What would you like to see as a starting lineup? And then what do you think we'll see? <laughs> ideally, just because it goes back to, you know, us just having the biggest offensive line in the league, would be Central Henderson at right, um, Sharping at right guard, Martinez ranking at center, Fuller at left guard, and Howard at left tackle. And I actually flip um, Fulton and... Rankin, just because I, I would figure you would want somebody experienced on the other side, and, and Fulton has shown that he can play both sides. So with that lineup, we have the largest offensive line in the league. We would be unstoppable at goal line. I don't know if Deshaun would survive trying to throw the ball, but, you know, I would really be willing to risk it. I mean, we would have an average offensive line weight of, like, 320-something. That's <laughs> ridiculous. That it would look like an SEC school playing like a Pac-12 school, just every single game. Like it would be entertaining. Yeah. Now I don't know if they would. The problem with that is I don't know if they could pass block. I don't know if they could zone block. So you know, there's there's some disadvantages to that. But if you have a if you have a healthy Deontay Foreman running behind that, you know, would at least run the ball very very well. Sure. Now what I think is most likely to happen. I actually think that it'll be Howard and – I'm going to keep Howard and Central Henderson as the bookends. Nick Martin will be the starter again with Calamante being switched out for um, – Rankins. With Rankins. So I think that's the only place where we differ. However, I do – I wouldn't be surprised. I said Rankins at left guard. No, no, no. I didn't mean – I didn't mean differ. I mean – I think right. we're Those I think your... we're in agreement on what the eventual starting alignment is going to be. I didn't mean differ. Yeah. Sorry, I think we just differ on our dream one because I'm just being ridiculous. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's probably the the most likely scenario, and it's not a bad offensive line. Um, ideally, you'd like to have youth all through the offensive line so you can build around it. But um, at this point in time, if we want to be competitive, we need to put the best five on the field, and we can't have two or three developmental players on the line. Um, so. That's kind of why I went the route I went. Um, all right, John, anything else on the offensive line? No, I think we – yeah, we actually got all of my notes in. Nice. Sweet. All right, do you want to talk about this Dynasty League? Oh, yeah. If you were in the Dynasty League last year, join Discord. We have our own channel this year. We want to get it rolling a little bit sooner. Um, we're going to do a six-round draft probably. Um, I believe we're going to just add an additional – defensive player to each one so to add a little bit more strategy on the defensive side now that people have gotten used to having defenders and then a three-round rookie draft okay so, and then um do we need everybody to pay their dues on patron uh so it's it's a 20 dollar patron fee uh for you guys to join the league uh it looks like we'll probably have maybe one or two more spots so if you are interested um hit us up on Twitter or Instagram or Discord and let us know. Or you can email me or John at james at texansunfiltered.com or john at john at texansunfiltered.com if you guys are interested. Yep. This um, is also, a dynasty league, so it would be – that is drafted in order. So regardless of standings, if you take over an orphan team, um, the first person to do it will get first pick. 
So if you have if you take over an orphan team and that team is stacked and you get first pick, I mean, you're still going to lose to me, but it won't be as badly. And it was a lot of fun last year. <laughs> we all had a good time last year. Um, I hated the auction, but whatever. Hey, you, um, you played me in the championship, so you obviously hated it so much. I just was you good just, at it. I'm good at whatever you, I do. You, were, you just, you just like to, to complain. You just wanted to complain. I do. I do. I just don't like auction traps. I like. I don't know. I just don't like them. Um, all right. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We all had a good time. Um, I think we all enjoyed playing. I think it was fun to be able to interact with the fans or the fans, not fans, listeners. And this year will be even um, better because of Discord. It'll be real time, constant. Yep. Yep. That'll be cool. Um, and so make sure you guys go to patreon.com. Um, outside of the Dynasty League, make sure you guys go to patreon.com backslash unfiltered. Uh, support us. Uh, there's all sorts of perks and things like that that you guys get. Um, so make sure you guys check that out. And then also go to our Twitter. We have a survey up. We want to know from you guys what your thoughts are on the podcast and areas that we can improve. So thank you, Preston, for putting that together. Uh, so go to our Twitter uh, at HoustonFBPod. Uh, same as Instagram if you want to follow us on Instagram, so I don't have to do that plug at HoustonFBPod. Um, and join our Discord. With that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. Wait, no, I forgot my podcast, my, my typical podcast uh, um, speech. I guess it would be a speech. You can find us on all podcast platforms, every single one. Just search Texans Unfiltered. You want to listen to Texans podcast? Just uh, just go to search Texans Unfiltered wherever you listen. It's that easy. It's not hard anymore. You can Google it. We're the number one podcast, Texans podcast on Google, number one podcast on iTunes, Spotify, you name it. We're the number one podcast there. So um, with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine. It's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way because we coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go.